0: STP Podcast time on a Thursday, June 4th, 2020. I'm Austin Horton. Thanks for tuning in each and every day. Really am having fun time talking with you guys uh, and and gals and uh, kids and whoever else is tuning into this thing. If mommy and daddy are driving around making you listen to this, I'm sorry, but hey, they they pay for your clothes and your food and your house and your clothes and your food and your, your toys and your clothes and your food. So be grateful and uh, just uh, sit back and relax and listen to old Uncle Austin here talk about nonsense, uh, at least to you. Now, it is. Uh, there's a lot to get to today, and it is a throwaway Thursday, but still there's a lot to talk about, and we're going to do so. The NBA is on a call, I believe, right about now. Well, it's about to start. I'm recording this at 1025 a.m. Mountain Time, so they're just about to start that Board of Governors call Uh, on which it is expected they'll vote uh, at least two-thirds majority yes on the 22-team format in Orlando to start July 31st. One of my favorite NFL players, not just because he's a great NFL guy or a great football player, but he's always been a great guy, is in the news for not a great reason, and it's very disappointing. Talk to you about that. And uh, a, a Rookie of the Year candidate, is uh, his his past is coming back to haunt him a little bit in the courts in Florida. We'll talk about all that and more on today's episode. Uh, I do want to just start uh, off and say how uh, relieved, uh, if that's the appropriate word, I am that uh, the other officers in the George Floyd death uh, have been charged, and not just charged, but that they upgraded the uh, officer Chauvin, Derek Chauvin's charged from third degree to second degree murder. And then charged the other three officers with aiding and abetting second degree murder. I think that that is at least finally some form of hope that justice will be served and done, even though it should have been done in the first place and it should never have happened in the first place as well. So hopefully that uh, as I've talked to you many times on this podcast Hopefully that we'll learn from these things and uh, be better off through horrible, horrific circumstance so that we can assure each other and, and make sure that it never happens uh, again. So there you go. I just wanted to take a moment and tell you I'm feeling a, 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 a breath of fresh air that at least they've acknowledged a little deeper and closer to the uh, the truth of what I, I think uh, took place there, and that is... Cold-blooded murder. It is uh, June 4th, and let's start there with this day in sports history. June 4th, 1976, Boston Celtics point guard Joe Joe White scored 33 points and made nine assists in a 128-126 win in triple overtime over the Phoenix Suns at the Godden in Game 5 of the NBA Finals. The game, which is considered by longtime NBA fans to be one of the best ever, gave the Celtics a 3-2 lead in the series and they closed it out 4-2 in the next game game 6. June 4th, 1983, the USFL's Oakland Invaders held Herschel Walker to 72 yards on 21 carries in a 34-21 victory of the New Jersey Generals at Oakland Alameda County Stadium. 2000 June 4th. Kobe Bryant threw an alley-oop pass to Shaquille O'Neal who dunked for a score that sealed the Lakers 89-84 win over the Blazers at the Staples Center in game 7 of the Western Conference Finals. I guarantee you've seen that highlight a hundred different times. Shaquille O'Neal with the, I don't know, the little wings off the side of his head as he runs back down the floor. I don't know (laughs) exactly else to describe it, but uh, a really cool play and great moment in uh, NBA history. And uh, maybe I'm remembering two different situations, but... He did some kind of arms-in-the-air celebration. 2009, San Francisco Giants pitcher. I bet you didn't realize he was a San Francisco Giants pitcher. Randy Johnson recorded his 300th win with a 5-1 victory over the Washington Nationals at Nationals Park. And on this date in 2010, the great John Wooden died of natural causes at the age of 99 at the Ronald Reagan UCLA Medical Center in L.A., the Wizard of Westwood, as he was known, won an unprecedented 10 national championships in a 12-year period as UCLA's men's basketball coach. There you go. This day in sports history for the date of June 4th. All right, I want to start today with really disappointed in one of my favorite professional athletes, my favorite NFL or, uh, or NFL quarterback, I should say, and... Just a seemingly all-around good person, and look, even though I and I've got some uh, uh, some different thoughts on these comments that I'm sure you've probably heard at least in uh, some form uh, in the last 24 hours. But Drew Brees of the New Orleans Saints, if you'll recall, he he has a long history of doing the right thing and doing the right thing in abundance. And out of no obligation, but he does it anyway. Just in March, he and his wife just gave $5 million to the city of New Orleans to deal with the, the COVID situation, to feed people and clothe people and house people. Just gave them $5 bucks. And there is a long history of Drew and Brittany Breeze doing that sort of thing. Talked about it right here on this very uh, show, in fact. But what he had to say to Yahoo Finance uh, yesterday was... It was unfortunate. It was uh, tone deaf, and you could almost feel the white privilege emanating through uh, the the medium as you listened to it, him deliver it. Now, the first half of his message. I'm going to play his, his his message in two halves, and I'm going to share uh, before before I react too much more. I'm going to share the first half of his message and give you a reaction. And then we'll play the, the. We'll finish it.
1: I will never agree with anybody um, disrespecting the flag of the United States of America or our country. Um, let me let me just tell you what I see, or what I feel, when the national anthem is played and when I look at the the flag of the United States. I envision my two grandfathers, who fought for this country during World War II, one in the Army, and one in the Marine Corps, both risking their lives to protect our country and to try to make our country and this world a better place. So every time I stand with my hand over my heart, looking at that flag and singing the national anthem, that's what I think about.
0: God, like I said, you can, you can feel this coming from somebody who is not thinking about the entire picture in the moment. Uh, if you take those comments alone, just those comments and you don't know what the question was about, and you don't know uh, the uh, the current temperature of the civil rights movements uh, and uh, protests and riots going on, I don't know that I disagree with his personal sentiment of respecting the flag and this country. And, uh, and for uh, what that flag stands for, and... How people follow it into literal and metaphorical battles every day around this world. Uh, and, and the the ideals and the principles that were written into the Constitution of these United States, that's what that flag represents, that we're all created by a God equally. That we all have inalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, regardless of our skin color, our race, our religion, our uh, sexuality, we are all, all men are created equal. Now, the anthem protest, if you'll recall, when Colin Kaepernick began that thing, he was sitting, he was on a bench or he was on the ground or he was on a chair away from the rest of the team, kind of in the background, sitting during the anthem. And when he was asked about it, he said that it was for police brutality that he was protesting against. He uh, spoke with a, if I'm mistaken, I apologize, but I believe a former Green Beret who encouraged him to continue protesting if he felt so passionately about that, uh, that problem, about that topic. But the Green Beret encouraged him to take a knee rather than just sit. And what did Colin Kaepernick do? He obliged. He agreed. He listened to the Green Beret and said, to tell him that, hey, you don't, you may want to protest police brutality, and you're using the anthem with all the cameras around and the flag in front of you to draw attention to the cause that you'd like to further, and that's fine, but a lot of people might take it as an anti-military thing or a slap in the face to uh, the service members of our country. Uh, past, present, and future. And so if you, if that's not what you want, why don't you take a knee? And Colin Kaepernick did just that. Well, a lot of privileged white people, and it wasn't just privileged white people, but the majority in my experience were privileged white people, had a big time issue and problem with Colin Kaepernick taking a knee. And one of those was the President of the United States and the NFL Commissioner, Roger Goodell. And they threw a big fit, and what it ended up doing was distracting from Colin Kaepernick's goal of bringing awareness to police brutality against minorities, especially black people. What it did is it created a smokescreen to where people just hated Colin Kaepernick for disrespecting the flag and the anthem in that way, and they forgot, or didn't, have or never were educated. As to why Colin Kaepernick was protesting, what for? What was the cause to have him do this, that, that, that drove him to do this? Instead, it turned into, are you Team Kaepernick or Team America? And it, w- it really bothered me then, and it still bothers me today, and it really bothers me even more today with the current situation that's going on with the NFL back then three years ago, ostracized a guy and got him kicked out of the league. He hasn't played a single down of football since because no no GM wants to touch the problem that is Colin Kaepernick. And then this week, the NFL has the gall, the the guts, the just brashness to put out a PR statement uh, of uh, the police brutality has to end and on and on and on. They had a chance to uphold that They had a chance to be the leaders of this movement, to make a stand and make change three years ago. And who knows, George Floyd might still be with us. And Ahmaud Arbery might still be with us. And Breon Taylor might still be here with us. And on and on and on. Eric Garner. Uh, You can go down the list forever. Perhaps those people would still be with us if the NFL had embraced what Colin Kaepernick was saying back then. Now, I'm with Jake Scott on one thing. Colin Kaepernick kind of loses me when he has the protest. That's fine. But when he refuses to vote, I don't know that and that maybe that is white privilege of me and Jake. I don't know to say there. Maybe he doesn't feel that he that his vote matters. And I can't change that if that's how he feels. But I do believe that everyone's vote matters. And I do believe that he should have probably voted. But that's not what this is about. He was trying to draw attention to a problem three and a half years ago. Nobody listened to him. All we we saw anyone talk about or heard anyone talk about was Colin Kaepernick disrespecting the military and disrespecting the flag and the anthem and the country and the presidency and blah, 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 blah. And while he was not the uh, ideal model protester, he did it peacefully. He didn't do. Vi- he didn't have any violence, and I, I abhorred the fact that he wore socks with uh, poli- piece, uh, pigs dressed in police officer uniforms. But that's my white privilege showing through right there, folks. I'll own that. I don't have that experience. experience. And, and as the son of a former police officer, I do recoil at the, the reference of pigs uh, dressed in police officers' uniforms. But Colin Kaepernick and Austin Horton have had completely different lives and journeys and experiences, and that should not be. That's what this is all about right now. It should not be that different. We should all have a unique life, and we should all have unique personalities, and we should all have unique cultures, but we should not have difference in rights, privileges, and safety. Drew Brees, in his comments goes back to three years ago. There's no mention of George Floyd in those comments. Those comments that Drew Brees just shared reversed to three years ago, do not disrespect the flag and the anthem. Just because you view the anthem and the flag in that moment as a symbol of military success and and unified country and, and patriotism does not mean that everybody must everyone has had a different experience all right now i'm going to replay drew brees comments and i'm going to play them with the second half and see if that changes anything for us so here's the drew brees comments again but we'll let him finish and this part i'm not hearing a lot of in the news today i'm hearing a lot of the first part not hearing the rest of his uh feelings that he shared on it so here's the drew brees answer in its entirety
1: i will never agree with anybody um disrespecting the flag of the United States of America or our country. Um, let me let me just tell you what I see or what I feel when the national anthem is played. And when I look at the, the flag of the United States, I envision my two grandfathers who fought for this country during World War II, one in the army and one in the Marine Corps, both risking their lives to protect our country and to try to make our country and this world a better place. So every time I stand with my hand over my heart, looking at that flag and singing the national anthem, that's what I think about. And in many cases, it brings me to tears, thinking about all that has been sacrificed, not just those in the military, but for that matter, those throughout the civil rights movements of the 60s and everyone and all that has been endured by so many people up until this point. And is everything right with our country right now? No, it's not. We still have a long way to go, but I think what you do by standing there and showing respect to the flag with your hand over your heart is it shows unity. It shows that we are all in this together. We can all do better and that we are all part of the solution.
0: Now, see, that does not make what he said uh, any more right, but it does change the tone quite a bit. The fact that he does reference it's not just military that he's thinking about, It's civil rights movements and everything that everyone else has gone through up to this point. Now, that's where, as he said in his apology today, that's where he really missed the mark again, though. He should have named George Floyd or at least referenced specifically this current situation that our country is going through and fighting for change because of. He didn't. He just wrapped it all up in one blanket, kind of swooped his hand over it. And that, my friends, is when people say white privilege, that's what, it, it, that's what they're talking about right there. And I'm as guilty as everybody. And that's why we need to do more listening rather than talking. I think it's fine and good that Drew Brees felt a responsibility to say that he himself views the anthem and the flag in that moment as a chance to reflect on sacrifices made by his loved ones and others loved ones to make this country a better place and to make this world a safer, more free place. What he needs to caveat that with, though, is to say, but that does not have to be everybody's uh, experience or opinion or belief or way to uh, express patriotism. Because the very ideals, the very idea, I should say, of the country that we live in is to allow room and space for every thought that does not break the law. That is, that's it. And if you want to peacefully take a knee during the Anthem, that is your right and your choice. And there will be people that dislike you and dislike you for doing that. But Drew Brees, I think could have said it a lot better and could have empathized a little bit at least with his black brothers and sisters, both in the NFL community and everywhere else. And now, as I said earlier, he and his family have done a lot of good in all communities that he's touched and for all races in those communities. But that does not give him the right to just say whatever and then be surprised when people are upset. And to his credit today, he has fully apologized and said in his words, I missed the mark. And he's going to do a lot more listening than talking. So to his credit, he has learned. You just wish that this unfortunate incident hadn't taken place. And that being him speaking about Colin Kaepernick in a moment when Colin Kaepernick should be actually, if if, if not praised, at least talked about as someone who wanted this to start years ago and it, and no one would listen to him. So with that in understanding, let me now play for you. Malcolm Jenkins' response to the Drew Brees comments. Malcolm Jenkins just signed with the New Orleans Saints this offseason, uh, or I think it was this offseason. He's a defensive back, and he took place and participated in the Take Knee protests uh, for, for some time, and I, he may have still done it all last season. I'm not sure. But uh, he had some responses to his new teammate, Drew Brees. Now, I'm not sure if Malcolm Jenkins heard drew Brees' entire statement i'm not sure if you heard part of it i don't know but i thought these comments made by malcolm jenkins were really uh touching they they touched me and i thought they were really heartfelt and i i felt like he did a lot of teaching for me as i listened to these comments and so i wanted to share them here on this podcast with you and see if it doesn't do the same the malcolm jenkins responding to that drew Brees video from yesterday
2: Yeah, I promise you this, the onslaught of that we have to deal with is crazy right now. Drew Brees, if you don't understand how hurtful, how insensitive your comments are, you are part of the problem. To think that because your grandfathers served in this country and you have a great respect for the flag that everybody else should have the same ideals and thoughts that you do is ridiculous. And it shows that you don't know history, because when our grandfathers fought for this country and served, and they came back, they didn't come back to a hero's welcome. They came back and got attacked for wearing their uniforms. They came back to people, to racism, to complete violence. And then here we are in 2020 with the whole country on fire, everybody witnessing a black man dying at the hand, being murdered at the hands of the police with his just in cold blood for everybody to see the whole country's on fire and the first thing that you do is criticize one's peaceful protest that was years ago when we were trying to signal a a, a sign for help and signal for our allies and our white brothers and sisters the people we considered to be friends to get involved it was ignored. And here we are now with the world on fire and you still continue to first criticize how we peaceful pro- how we peacefully protest because it doesn't fit in what you do and your beliefs without ever acknowledging that the fact that the man was murdered at the hands of police in front of us all, and that it has been continuing for centuries, that the same brothers that you break the huddle down with before every single game, the same guys that you bleed with and go on a battle with every single day, go home to communities that have been decimated. Drew, on, uh, unfortunately, you're somebody who doesn't understand their privilege. You don't understand the potential that you have to actually be an advocate for the people that you call brothers. You don't understand the history and why people like me, people with my skin color, whose grandfather fought for this country, who served, and I still protested against that, against the, not against the national anthem, but against what was happening in America and what our, the fabric of this country is for or stands for, if you don't understand that other people experience something totally different than you, then when you talk about being the brotherhood and all this other bullshit, it's just lip service or it's only on the field. Because when we step off of this field and I take my helmet off and I'm a black man walking around America and I'm telling you I'm dealing with these things, I'm telling you my communities are dealing with these things. And your response to me is don't talk about that here. This is not the place. Where is the place, Drew? And what you're telling us is, don't ask for help that way. Ask for a different way. I can't listen to it when you ask that way. We're done asking, Drew. And people who who share your sentiments, who express those and push them throughout the world, the airways, are the problem. I'm disappointed. I'm hurt. Because while the world tells you that you're not worthy, that your life doesn't matter. The last place you want to hear from are the guys that you that you go to war with and that you con- consider to be allies and to be your friends. Even though we're teammates, I can't let this slide. And it's unfortunate because I considered you a friend. I looked up to you. You're somebody who I had a great deal of respect for. But sometimes you should shut the.
0: Brilliantly said by Malcolm Jenkins there. It, it does not have to be everybody's cookie cutter situation and experience when that anthem and those flags are played in our present. That, that, that is not the idea of America is a melting pot of cultures, races, religions, sexualities, ideas. That's what makes America great is we somehow all get a piece of the pie. And hopefully that piece of the pie is equal. As that's the plan, all men are created equal. So it's just it's unfortunate that Drew Brees acted in the way he did. I think he thought he was helping, and that is the most dangerous thing right now that someone of my race can do is overstep in with with what you feel are good intentions and think that you're that you are helping and trying to help when really what we need to be doing right now is following we need to be supporting not leading now when i say that i don't mean just stay silent but i'm meaning lead by example of following our black brothers and sisters because they're the ones with the experience they're the ones with uh the the as you heard malcolm jenkins there with the emotions attached the heartache the fear the depression the anger the, that they have been treated unfairly and haven't gotten the same exact rights and privileges that you and I have gotten as, as white people. And we have to listen to that and accept it as their truth and support them in that and lead in that way. And, and that's just, I, I think that Drew Brees learned his lesson. I think that I'm continuing to learn my lesson because as passionate as I am about this and I'm uh, as anti-racist as I am and how I really want to see everybody treated equally— I need to be careful about how far I step so that I don't say the wrong thing thinking I'm helping. And then I'd ask this of our black brothers and sisters, please, uh, 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 and this maybe is wrong of me to ask, but I'm going to ask, please allow us some room as we try to continue to change ourselves. Because there are people like myself who have never had a single racist thought ever cross their minds or lips. But we are still privileged and we have an experience that you don't have. And it's not fair that you have not had it, but it is our experience and our experiences is what shapes us as human beings. So please allow some room for forgiveness and mistakes along this path as we continue to try and change and make uh, make this world a more equal, fair place for all. Uh, and I just I ask that with sincerity because I want to be part of the solution. I want to be actively part of the solution, but I don't want to be so active that I become part of the problem, as Drew Brees happened to be yesterday. Our thanks to my thanks to Malcolm Jenkins for those words. I think they were uh, well said. Kudos to Drew Brees for admitting and realizing where he needed to learn and and be quiet and listen and follow rather than try to lead. And uh, hopefully we can... uh, And and kudos to uh, the powers that be in Minnesota for finally doing the right thing and charging those officers and arresting them. It's not first-degree murder, as a lot of people, myself included, think it should be. But they did upgrade from third-degree to second-degree. And uh, I'd like to see that be a conviction for all four of those uh officers but change is happening i feel i feel change is happening but that does not mean that we check the box and we move on we still need to lead each other and follow each other and listen and talk to each other Uh, and we'll get we'll get through it All right, baseball just can't get out of its own way. This is getting ridiculous now. The the MLB owners have rejected and refused to counteroffer the MLB Players Association's 114 game proposal for the 2020 season. Now, this is common in baseball negotiations to reject an offer and offer no counteroffer. Offer, offer, offer. offer. Say offer as many times as I can here. But they are running out of time if they want to have a 2020 season. It's, they got to get going. If they're going to make it happen, they got to get serious about it. And they just, they do not, they, they won't get out of their own way. And it's bothersome to me as a baseball fan, because I feel like baseball, as the other sports can and should be as well, can be a unifier and can unite us and, and give us a common cause uh, outside of real life to uh, to focus on. And, by, and, you know, that sounds wrong. I, I, that's not... I don't mean it in a way that to distract from the real causes, but what I mean is while we uh, pursue these real causes of change in our lives, why not also have something we can uh, come together in a joyous way over, in an entertainment way, and I think that will further fortify our unity on the real causes. If we're cheering for or against each other's teams in sports, we're together. That should then translate with rational minds to being together, unified in real life matters. But maybe I'm in my hundred acre wood. I just, I'm sick and tired of billionaires and millionaires complaining and dragging their feet and throwing temper tantrums. Baseball, you're, you're ridiculous. Go take a nap and then get back to us when you're cheerful again. Zion Williamson in a bit of hot water. He has been sued by his former uh, representative agency, uh, and they have then been sued by him in return, but a court in Florida has has uh, ordered that Zion Williamson will have to answer questions as to whether or not he remained legally eligible to play while at Duke. H- the, uh, what's, what's the name of the representative uh, company? Ford, uh, Prime Sports is who he is suing and who has sued him. For $100 million, Prime Sports claims that he was uh, ineligible for, for playing college basketball because he and his family members received impermissible benefits ranging from money to vehicles to jobs to housing and on and on and on. They're mad because he went with a different agency when he became an NBA player. So in between the time he declared for the NBA and when he became an NBA player, he was with Prime Sports. Then he signed on with a different agency once he became an NBA player. He has sued them in return because he doesn't want to have to pay him $100 million. Well, a court in Florida said he's going to have to answer the questions as to whether or not he accepted or his family accepted impermissible benefits while at Duke. Well, what's going to happen here is they're eventually going to settle out of court. Zion Williams' sin is going to end up paying prime sports somewhere between $50 and $70 million, and this will go away. Unless he refuses, takes his chances, and has to address these accusations and evidence that Prime Sports claims to have that he was ineligible at Duke. This is not shocking to anybody. I've got news for you. I don't have evidence myself that he was, for, in fact, ineligible according to the NCAA rules while at Duke. But we do have ed- evidence that he was offered hundred grand to play at Kansas and chose to play at Duke. And there's no way that I'm going to believe that he chose to play at Duke because that was the right thing to do, not because they were paying him more than Kansas was offering him. I just, that's what I feel in my heart. It's what I know to be the case more often than not. So I'd like to see this go to court. I'd like to see Zion Williamson and his people have to prove that he remained completely, correctly eligible while at Duke. It's not gonna happen though, they'll settle out of court. This will never uh, go to trial. All right, that's going to do it for a throwaway Thursday edition of the EP podcast here today. My thanks to Malcolm Jenkins for setting us straight and giving us an education today. My thanks to Drew Brees for admitting he was wrong and apologizing and choosing now to listen and follow rather than try to talk and lead. And, of course, my thanks to you, most importantly, for listening. It really does mean the world to me. By now, you've probably got great NBA news, the NBA being back, 22-game slate Set to tip off July 31st. At least that's what the rumblings are coming out of this Board of Governors meeting. We'll see what the exact results are. But uh, that'll be something to talk about tomorrow on a Wear Red Friday. That's it. I'm Austin Horton. I'll see you then. Until then, be good to each other.
3: now for the laugh of the day. <laughs> you know, Bumgarner tells a story which, in a sense, reminds you of what it takes to be a big league ball player. It was two years ago in spring training, and he and his wife were roping cattle, which is what they do. 1-1 one, one pitch, sinker low, ball two, two and one. And they were startled by a large snake. And Madison thought it was a rattlesnake, so he grabbed an axe. And he hacked the snake to pieces. But there's something more to the story. 2 1 pitch. Low ball three three and one. When his wife Allie and an expert field dresser examined what was left of the snake. She found two baby jackrabbits inside pieces of the snake. And extracted them. 3 1 pitch to turn away inside ball four. And after she extracted them a short while later, the Bumgarners noticed that one of the rabbits had moved slightly. It was alive. Well, his wife brought the rabbit back to their apartment. For the next few days, they kept it warm, bottle nursed it. And the rabbit soon was healthy enough that they released it into the wild. And Madison said, just think about how tough that rabbit was. First, it gets eaten by a snake. Then the snake gets chopped to pieces then it gets picked up by people and lives. It's all true. Meanwhile, line drive base hit to center by Hendrick, and the Dodgers are in business first and second and nobody out. So I guess really the morale to the whole story about the rabbit and the snake, you've got to somehow survive. You've got to somehow battle back. A lesson well taught for all of us.